All right, if you got your Bibles, open them up. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we are. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get one to you, or we'll have it on the screen for you to read, okay? Uh, We have, uh, for the last few weeks, we've been walking verse by verse through the Lord's Prayer uh, in the hopes that uh, God would make us a people of prayer. And uh, today we are focusing on the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, which says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's where we're at today. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read the whole prayer, and then we'll pray. It's like a lecture lab, right? You see what? You get that? Okay, good. Here we go. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil this is the word of god let's pray heavenly father you are holy and wonderful and full of strength and we love you And Lord, we do need you to forgive us. Forgive us as a people. Forgive us as a church. God, we are not good at loving you and obeying you uh, because you're worthy of that. Uh, We are not good at forgiving one another. We're not good at releasing people from their debts. You are great at releasing people from their debts but we're not. And so we need you to forgive us of that. God, start with me. Forgive me, God. You've you've been hitting me all week with this message. Um, To show me how self-centered I am and selfish my thoughts are. And so, Lord, I need you to forgive me of that. That does not glorify you. That is not a witness to anyone else in the world. And so, God, I just pray that you would change Crossway. You would change us into people that forgive one another, forgive others that offend us. And we pray that you would do it through your word and through the gospel and through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask all of this in your strong name. Amen. Samuel Goldwyn was born in Warsaw, Poland in 1879, and he was orphaned when he was a little child. As soon as he could, he left Poland for America. And after marrying into a theatrical family, Goldwyn became one of the most powerful film producers in all of Hollywood. He was the predecessor of Paramount Pictures and MGM Metro Goldwyn Mayer Studios. Ring a bell? That's this guy. For 35 years, he was known for a bad temper and relentless drive to succeed. 
and he was ousted from his own companies. And so naturally he became Hollywood's leading independent producer because that's what you call yourself when no one wants to work with you. <laughs> I'm an independent producer. Goldwyn, who passed away in the 70s, has become unintentionally famous for his often unintentional humor. Uh, maybe you've used some of these phrases yourself before. Uh, he'd say things like this, I'll give you a definite maybe. When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Anyone's dad ever said that, by the way? <laughs> just show of hands? No one, just me? Okay. Uh, don't talk to me while I'm interrupting. That's my favorite. I love that one. I never liked you, and I always will. But the quote that still gets passed around and around is this one. I'm willing to admit that I may not always be right, but I am never wrong. And so I have to ask, is that anyone here today? Yeah? Yeah. Thank you for the honesty. Can you be friends? Really be friends with that guy that's never, ever wrong? If, if, if that guy or that gal is on your team, does that make for a healthy team or does that make for animosity on the team? If you're married to that guy or that gal, does that make for a sweet marriage? Or does that make a hotbed for bitterness in the marriage? You see, Jesus wants us to pray a radical prayer, guys. One that addresses our pridefulness head on because the truth for all of us is that we don't really believe we need forgiveness. At bottom, we don't believe that we need to be forgiven of anything on our own. That's the default mode of the human heart. We're like the guy who says, look, I'm the first one to admit when I'm wrong. And then under his breath, he says, fortunately for me, I'm never wrong. Like, that's us. You see, it's a big deal to Jesus. And it's a big deal for us and for our relationships. When we don't know how big our need for forgiveness really is, we will wreak havoc on all of our relationships. We'll just chew up the next marriage. We'll just chew up the next friendship. We'll just chew up the next church we're a part of. We'll just chew up the next company that we work for. We can become like Goldwyn, the greatest independent fill-in-the-blank, because of our refusal to admit when we're wrong. It makes it impossible to live in community with other people. It's not going to happen. And you know what is really cool about this verse? Jesus knows that about us. Like he knows that about you and me, right? And in this prayer, he's showing us that the one thing that we don't want is the one thing that should define us as his people. Forgiveness. This is a prayer to live up into what we are called to be as citizens of his kingdom. We are called to be a people that receive and give God's forgiveness daily. Daily. Now, how do we do that? Because everyone can go, mm-hmm, yeah, I agree, that's great. But how do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to admit that we desperately need God's forgiveness. 
starts right here. We desperately need God's forgiveness. If you remember from last week, we looked at the petition for daily bread. We're supposed to ask God every day for the daily bread, the things that we need to live and to survive. We're supposed to ask Him for food and clothing and shelter and sleep and these things that we need every day to live for the next 24 hours. And our petition today takes us one step deeper with the realization that we have an even more fundamental need than all those things put together. As basic as all those needs are, we have an even more fundamental need than those things to live. Jesus wants us to realize that those things do us no good without God's forgiveness. God is perfectly holy and pure. And because of this, and because of the fact that He is the creator of everyone and everything, we owe Him a life of holiness. We owe him a, a God a life of perfect obedience to his will. Because he's worthy of that. He deserves that. Matthew uses the word debt here to mean sins. And so since we owe God a perfectly obedient life, and since we failed to live that perfectly pleasing life to God, we have incurred a moral debt to him. Okay? So what does that mean? Translate that. Well, what it means is that even though God may supply our physical needs every day, and as great as that is, in the end, they don't give us life if we do not have God's forgiveness for sins. Okay? Our sin only deserves one thing, the wrath of God. That's the only thing God really owes you and owes Lingle. He didn't owe me a great marriage. Right? He didn't owe us a happy life. There's only one thing that he owes us. Paul explains it this way, Romans 2, 5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, impenitent, that means I refuse to admit I'm wrong. I refuse to admit that I need forgiveness for anything. Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment, it's not an emotional judgment. It's a well thought out. It's a calm, cool, and collective his righteous judgment will be revealed. Many, many years ago, there was this newspaper, and they posed this question. The question was, what is wrong with the world? And the Catholic thinker, G.K. Chesterton, repeatedly wrote a brief response to the letter. It said this, Dear sirs, I am. Sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. For some of us, we think that we can escape the wrath of God because of maybe it's our ethnicity. Or maybe it's because of our ancestry. You know, our our parents raised us in the church. You know, our grandmother taught Sunday school every single Sunday. Or we think we'll escape God's judgment because of our moral report card. happens to be better than somebody else's moral moral report card. And sometimes, as Christians, we think that way about other people. See, we're good and they're not good. So obviously God's got to love me. Or maybe it's because we think we study the Bible for hours and hours a week. But the truth is that all these things do nothing to pay the debt we owe God. We still stand under His just wrath. This is exactly what John the Baptist was telling the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Matthew 3. But when 
John saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism. He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You should bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. What are you presuming upon? See, all the things that we think that will forgive our debt to God are like paying the $20 minimum credit card thing on, a, on an account of $50 million of debt. That's the equivalent of what, what this is. Our debt is so high and the interest is always running. It's so constant that we will never pay off our debt to God with little $20 a month payments. I mean, just, it's just not going to happen. The only hope for us to be released from that debt is to have someone else pay it for you in full. And that's what that word forgive means. It means to be released of a debt. Release us of our debts as we release others from their debts. The single greatest need that we have is to receive God's merciful, wonderful forgiveness. And so here's what we need to do. We need to stop living in denial and call a spade a spade. That's step one. That's what we do. We need to be honest with ourselves and admit that on our best day, we cannot pay off our sin debt, as it were. We need God to release us from our debt. We become a people that receive and give God's forgiveness daily when we admit that we need it but also when we are defined by it, when we're defined by forgiveness personally. And we, we are defined by God's forgiveness personally. So when Jesus says, forgive us our debt, he wasn't speaking merely of this like once for all time forgiveness of our sins. That kind of forgiveness is already assumed. I mean, after all, he's teaching this prayer to his disciples, remember? He's already assuming that. This is a request to experience the forgiveness of God on an ongoing, daily basis. Repentance is not a one-and-done event for the Christian. Repentance, that's the turning away of our old life and turning towards this new life in Christ, is an ongoing event. It's day by day. We are constantly seeking and Receiving, We're getting this forgiveness for our sins. Why? Because even though, in one sense, we truly are forgiven, there's still the effects of sin in our life. Amen? You still feel it? You could call it the consequences that we experience for sinning against God. For saying, no, not your way, my way. But we feel that in real time, in real life. Even though sin cannot break our relationship with the Father, it can definitely separate our fellowship with our Father. In other words, we don't get to experience that relationship with the Father. We don't get to get those full benefits. We're trying to unsun ourselves and undaughter ourselves from Him. And so as we ask for our forgiveness, we're supposed to ask for forgiveness throughout the day. Jesus puts it this way in the upper room. John 13, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, then you 
have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not up my feet only, but also my hands on my head. Just give me a bath then. Just give me a bath and scrub me up. That's what he's saying. Jesus says to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. Now, think about it like this. Before you head off to school, or you head off to work, or wherever you go in the morning, you take a shower and clean yourself, right? I, I hope you do, anyway, all right? <laughs> we clean ourselves. We take a bath, we take a shower thoroughly. And so throughout the day, we grab door handles, we shake people's hands, uh, we touch instruments like keyboards and steering wheels, we use the bathroom, right? This is what we do throughout the day. Nobody takes a full bath every time after they go to the restroom, Right? Now, I mean, that, just think about society if that happened. That'd be pretty funny. Everyone's just taking a full-on bath every time they go to the restroom. But we don't do that. What do we do? We wash your hands. We use sanitizer every time. We don't take a bath. Seeking God's forgiveness daily is kind of like the washing your hands throughout the day, every day, even though our whole body is already clean. We are clean. When, you have, when you've become the recipient of God's wonderful mercy, when you know that His wrath will not be poured out on you, the response is not to think you need His forgiveness less and less. The response is to see that you actually need more and more of His forgiveness. You see the little sins and the little stains that build up throughout the day, day after day. And separating you from the fellowship with the Father. And your desire is to keep short accounts with your Father. I want to be in relationship with you. I don't want anything to dull that. Our identity, guys, as citizens of the kingdom has fundamentally changed. Our identity is no longer that we see ourselves when we look in the mirror as these innocent little victims that are always wronged by everyone else that comes into our path every day. That's how we used to see ourselves. Rather, we see that we are the perpetrators of wrongs against other people. We are the ones who are desperately in need of God's forgiveness. And so this petition of the Lord's Prayer assumes something wonderful for us. It assumes that God gives us what He asks us to ask for. Jesus tells us to ask for forgiveness because God will grant forgiveness. It says this in 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. This is what non-believers call hypocrites. But he says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to, there's that word again, cleanse us from most of our unrighteousness. I, no, I'm sorry, I misread that. From all of our unrighteousness. Amen? Re listen, this is awesome because you and I are not people that have merely received God's stale forgiveness once upon a time years ago. We are people that receive His merciful forgiveness every single time that we ask and every day that we ask regardless of how often in a day or how often in a month or how often in a lifetime we ask 
God will forgive us. And that's good news. Regardless of how high-handed or how treasonous our sins are, God will forgive us. The gospel says, that is who you are now. That's who you are now. You are someone who's been restored to the Father as many times as you have separated yourself from the Father. As many times as you try to unsun yourself and undaughter yourself, He will restore you. He will forgive you. Back into that fellowship. So ask the Father to forgive you of those things. Whatever it was this week, ask Him. I want to encourage you to do that. Let's not deceive ourselves. He will forgive. He stands not with His arms crossed, but with His arms open, ready to forgive you. And ask, so ask Him to do it again. Yes, for the hundredth time. Especially for the hundredth time. He will forgive you. The gospel says that he won't give you a lecture. He will give you forgiveness. That should make you smile. We are people that are defined by being regularly forgiven by God. But his forgiveness not only defines us personally, it transforms us communally. We actually become extensions of his forgiveness communally as a people. Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we have also often, yeah, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And it would be really easy to understand this as a conditional statement because that's what it sounds like on a surface reading, doesn't it? It sounds like, who's the first one to forgive? Me. I forgive, and then God forgives me. That's what it sounds like. That God forgives me of my sins to the degree and to the scope that I forgive other people who wrong me or hurt me. But if that was the case, then my forgiveness with God would be based on my works. And Jesus would be found teaching works righteousness, which is clearly not the gospel. That can't be what he's saying. Secondly, if my debts to God are only released upon the condition that I release other people of their debts to me, then there would be no hope at all for me to be forgiven. None. If my forgiveness of others is at best on a good day when I've had a full night's sleep, okay, is imperfect and fickle. And at worst, it doesn't even exist. I don't even forgive some people. Just being honest. If left to my own devices, that's the case. It can't mean that. So if this clause is not conditional, then what is it? I think it's aspirational. This is what we are to aspire to be. Jesus is again defining who we are as his people. As citizens of Christ's kingdom, we extend God's forgiveness to others as a community. Notice the community language. Our debts. Our debtors. Not just mine, ours. Jesus is calling us to be a church, guys. To be a community that extends his forgiveness to others who have wronged us. And they have offended us. Unwillingness to forgive someone will disintegrate an entire church. Anybody hearing me? Harboring bitterness 
will destroy a marriage. I don't care how great that marriage starts. Cynicism that refuses to release people from their past failures will dismantle even the strongest of friendships. And that's how the entire world does relationships, right? They're all disposable, right? I'm in this till you cross me, and then see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. That's how the whole world does relationships. But Jesus is calling us, guys, into a different way of doing community, of living with other people, people that are really different than we are. He is calling us to be committed to releasing people from our wrath, releasing people from what they owe us. You owe me an explanation, right? You owe me an apology. That's how we talk to one another, right? We do. Let's be honest. We're in church. Let's not lie. Let's tell the truth. And he said, we're supposed to be a community that does it different than that. That's how everybody's doing it, guys. That's how everybody is doing it. We say, no. You owe me. I'm writing that off. I'm releasing you from that prison. Guys, forgiveness makes a compelling new kind of community. Because when people see that, Look, I saw how she slighted you. I saw what he did to you, and you forgave that. Nobody in my family does that. What, what, are you cuckoo? What's the matter with you guys? That's a compelling community. What is going on here that you're acting that way? I need to find out. You see what I'm saying? Are you guys tracking with me? This is different. To be that kind of, the, we wanted to be the kind of people that forgive those that offend us and owe us. But that, that's not just difficult. And it is difficult. I'm going to suggest to you guys that's impossible. Maybe, maybe not for you guys. Maybe you're more spiritual than me. That's impossible for me to do in my own resources and in my own power. I cannot do it. Forgiveness is not just saying... You know, hey, you didn't do anything. That's not forgiveness. It's not saying, hey, you know what? It's okay. No, it's okay. No big deal. That's not real forgiveness. Because at the back of the mind, our mind, we know that they really did do something. Right? And we know it really wasn't okay. That's called playing nice. We're not called to be a community that's nice. We're called to be something different. We're called to be a community that forgives. Those things look similar, and they're really different. And that's why it takes all of us doing this together. In the back of our mind, we know they really did do something, and it really wasn't okay. okay? They really did criticize us. Right? They really do show up late for every important event. They really do feel the need to express their opinion on everything when they're around me. Right? We know this. This is what we're thinking. And so just saying it's okay, it's kind of a false forgiveness that's on the surface, and it doesn't really penetrate the community. It doesn't really change people. So how do we do this? How do we forgive people that wronged us? Well, the truth is that we have got to see what God has done for us. 
in Christ. We've got to see how much we needed forgiveness. That's why we started there. That's why this starts there. If you don't start there, you don't get here. Does that make sense, guys? We've got to look again at the enormous debt that we owed God. And it's impossible for us to ask God to forgive us of our offenses every day and at the same time withhold forgiveness for other pe- from other people. How can we do that? In fact, Jesus is stressing the point that if someone is unwilling to extend forgiveness to someone else, it's actually a sign that they have not really received God's forgiveness themselves. They don't see themselves as the recipients of God's mercy. They're they're fine, thank you very much. I have all these good things that I do. I didn't really, I just needed a bump. I didn't need total forgiveness. In order for us to forgive others, we must do a couple of things. And the first is to look at the cross We need to know the gospel inside, outside, upside, and downside. We need to love the gospel, Crossway. It is the gospel that has the power to change people and save people. God did not call our sins against him. No big deal. He said big deal. It's a real thing. He called them a real debt that had to be paid. But instead of demanding that we pay what we owe him, God decided to pay it. He didn't just wink at it, saying it's not really there. He said it's really there. And I'll pay it. Jesus chose to pay it in full. And by the way, he paid it with his blood, not your blood. Not Lingle's blood. He paid it with his own blood. This was a real thing, not some metaphorical thing. He paid it with his life, not our life. And he did this so, guess what? We could be released from it. We released. We're free. Never to be brought up again in conversation. When we look at the cross, we look at how Jesus absorbed our sins, it softens our heart. That's why we need to hear the gospel every week and every day. It softens us. It empowers us to release others from much smaller debts. The second thing we should do is that we need to ask for help. We've got to ask for help to do this. Tell God that you need to experience His forgiveness afresh. He'll give that to you, and that will soften your heart. Tell Him. Tell him that you need to experience his love afresh. Stale, Father. We'll give you that. Ask him for help to do what he's calling you to do. And ask others to join you. This is a community effort. Pray for me. I'm not strong enough. That's a good prayer. We are weak, but he is strong, as the little kid song goes, right? But it's true. So we pray for one another. We pray each other through this, that he will give us the strength to do what he's called us to do. And so I I love you guys, and I want to pray. Let me pray for you, okay? God, it says in 
Psalm 130, your word. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O oh Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on him. And Lord, I thank you for that. You are rich in mercy. You're long on forgiveness. You're slow to anger and abounding in love. And you've shown that to us through Jesus. And I pray right now that by your spirit, you just start doing your work in our hearts. Show us a picture again, again of how great our debt was you forgive and how small everybody else's debt is to us. Show us that you are the liberator. You're the one who gives freedom and that you have set us free so that we could turn around and be a church that sets others free, that sets one another free. Oh Lord, help us be that people that doesn't say to one another, you owe me. That is not how you spoke to us. You said to us, don't owe me. I'll pay it. So Lord, would you soften our hearts today and change our lives? And thank you for all the forgiveness that, that is ours and we do have in Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen.